welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the trustworthy Matt. Hello there. So, Matt, we are discussing the lie of the land this week. We are. Part three of the Monks trilogy. Yeah, good to know it's over. Not a surprise, (laughs) four-parter. That would be a bit much, wouldn't it? Yeah. We'd be we'd be nudging into war games territory <laughs> with the, with that one, I think. Um, but yeah, we will get your thoughts in full on that in due course. But if, if, um, if you want my thoughts, David, I'll tell you this right up top: it's too yeah. hot. Yes, I knew we were going to have to discuss this. Um, it is too hot, Matt. Um, in in fact, um, I may be touching on the fact that it is too hot with my uh, Would I Lie to Who for this week. Oh, okay. Something so, to look forward to. Yes. Um, but how are you coping with it? Are you... Uh... Um, well, I, I can't remember if I've let you know this week, mm-hmm. but um, one of the guys that I work with uh, tested positive for COVID. So not only is it too hot, but I'm locked in my house for another seven days. I've done two mm-hmm. days. It's not ideal, is it? Oh, I didn't even know you were meant to do nine days. I thought seven was the max, but... but... No, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tricky one. Yeah, so but... if you thought I'd lost my mind recently, mm. it, I'm not coping very well. No. Um, but, well, you know, you just got to make the best of it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was so bored yesterday, I just shaved most of my beard off, and now I look like Steven Seagal. <laughs> like not young handsome Steven Seagal when he was in shape but mm. current overweight Steven Seagal where his face is just a mess mm. so you so you don't feel like that was an improvement no no uh, I've gone for a goatee mm. and it, it it's not working I'll be honest but no. at least I've got did, another did, week did, to did, grow in, it out in your head be like oh I'm gonna do this I'm gonna look like Robert Downey Jr no uh, I just I just thought I'm, I'm just gonna at first, I was like, I'm just going to clip the sides, just tidy it up a bit. And then I thought, oh, maybe it's time I tried something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's... I, I'm going to accept the null hypothesis on this one. It hasn't worked. <laughs> if I want to try something different with my beard, I will maybe sort of clip away the tuftier bits. That's about all I'm doing in terms of beard maintenance at the moment. Once a year, I go completely insane and shave the whole thing off. And then I remember why I only do it once a year. Because you look like a 12-year-old? I just look like Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have gone beardless for... Probably over a decade, at least. I've known you since... May the 4th, 2013, and you have had mm. a full beard the entire time I've known you. Yeah, certainly we're talking before I moved to North Yorkshire was mm. the last time I shaved my beard off. Mm. And it was a terrible mistake then. I, I, I've no reason to assume it would be any different at this stage. Right, that is going on the list. Let me just turn to the back <laughs> of my book. When we do the wheelie big quiz this year, if we beat oh, last man. year's total, you're losing the beard. That's currently on the list with two pints of baked beans. You're very good at coming up with forfeits for me, aren't you? Yeah, it's a two-way street. I read that apology you wrote for me. 
It's just... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say, in in our podcast and our friendship, I'm the mad scientist <laughs> and you're the lab rat. I think that's a f- pretty fair assessment. Yeah. Pretty fair assessment. Um, so, then, what do you want to talk about, Matt? Um, I, I... Well, this will be your decision... But mm. I just wanted to touch base, see how you're doing this week. You were very open last week with how you were feeling. I just wanted to check in, make sure you're okay. Yeah, I'm. Um, I mean, I'm not back at work. I'm not. I've. I'm signed off for a couple of weeks, so I'm. I'm kind of just taking advantage of that, to be honest. Not rushing back into it. Um, I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm on a more even keel than I was last week, which is good. Um, but, you know. It's so work related that I'm not I'm not sure to be honest. You know what I don't want to do is to rush back into work and just you know be faced with all the same issues that I was a few weeks ago. So um, we're just just kind of playing it by ear to be honest, which I think is all anyone can ever do really with with a mental health. You kind of just have to take one day at a time uh-huh. sometimes. Um, but yeah, good to hear I'm, you're doing I'm, a little I'm, better. Yeah, I'm in good spirits currently, um, albeit, uh, as we have mentioned, it is too hot. Yeah. Well, you know what, let's let's get into it, let's get into it. Let's do Would I Lie to Who? Because okay. uh, whilst we're on the subject of it being just too bloody hot. And I'm aware that this could date really badly, this could date about as well as our Matt Hancock chat from <laughs> yeah. a couple of weeks ago. But, um, yeah, as things stand, listeners, we are recording this on on the weekend during. Uh, let's not be around the bush. This is a heat wave. This is a proper good old fashioned British heat wave. Mm. Because as a nation, we are very very good at complaining when it is slightly too cold, um, or slight or a bit too wet. Um, but also, if it gets above. What what sort of degree would you say it would be like twenty like, you, maybe twenty seven degrees? Uh, well, I've got the weather app up on my phone, yeah. and currently it is twenty five, and the high point today is going to be about three o'clock, twenty eight mm. degrees. Yeah. Which might not sound much if you live abroad, but not only do we live in Britain. If you've ever seen a Lowry painting of like rainy Britain, <laughs> that's fairly accurate. And yeah. we also live in North Yorkshire, towards the northern yeah. element of Great Britain, which yeah. is the like rainiest, grimmest. Yeah. Like... Our, our nearest village, I'm pretty sure, was on record as the wettest place in Britain last mm. year, or certainly the wettest place in England. Yeah, um, yeah we get a lot of rain. Um, so really, it just... It, it's... We're miserable unless it's sunny, but the second it gets slightly too sunny, yeah. we are probably even more miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been struggling with the heat this weekend. Um, and uh, for Would I Lie to Who this week, I thought you could guess what my uh, coping strategy was yesterday. Okay. So we've got three options. Still still Doctor Who themed, this element of the show. Glad to see, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, doggedly uh, Doctor Who themed. Uh, but yeah, so... Did uh, yesterday, as my coping strategy for it being too bloody hot, did I A, subsist on a diet of iced lattes and shandy? Okay. Uh, B, 
spend all day in my pants. Or C, just not cope at all and become an increasingly sweaty, short-tempered asshole as the day wore on. Right, well, full disclosure. Yep. B... Yeah, That's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm glad we don't do this on like, you know, <laughs> on FaceTime because uh, I don't think you'd like what you'd see. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 rocking I'm rocking a Cardiax t-shirt right now, uh, and a pair of pants. And I'll be honest, that is it oh, for I'm, me. I'm wearing pajama bottom shorts, mm-hmm. and that is it. I actually took my t-shirt <laughs> off prior to this recording. I considered it. I considered it, but I I, I opted for closing uh, closing the curtains, because right now where the room I'm in, it's getting just direct sunlight straight through, and it's it's like a greenhouse. Mm. Um, but yeah. Right. Talk talk to this me about a... a, iced lattes and shandies. Yes. Okay. Talk to me about your iced We've... latte. Are we just going straight iced coffee? You could put so in any talk- syrups. No, we're talking uh, a shot of caramel syrup in the bottom. Proper whole milk, because it's uh, normally not a whole milk person, but if you're making an iced latte, I think you've got to go for whole milk. Um, good handful of ice and then espresso. And are you making this at home or did you purchase Make, it? Making it at home, yeah. Okay. Okay. What about the shandy? What beer, what lemonade are we talking about? We're talking um, just little generic uh, French lagers. Oh, the stubbies. Little stubbies, yeah. Um, And I think it's just Aldi lemonade. So cheap and cheerful. Just gets the job done. Mm -hmm. I see. Part of me thinks, like, that could be true. Because on pod recently, we did say the best beer for Shandy's was a stubby. But then mm-hmm. are you using Certainly that? My experience. Are you using that to manipulate me? Hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, you talked about your pants yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any particular style? Are we talking boxers, briefs? I'm a boxers man. Okay. Loose fitting, tight, tight mm-hmm. fitting. Loose fitting. Okay. Yeah. Cotton or silk? Don't let it breathe. Um, I'm assuming cotton. Okay. I think I'd know if it was silk, wouldn't I? Okay. Mm. I can't think of anything else now. I've got that image in my head. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Uh, and option C was your coping strategy was not to cope. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's certainly Just the route I went down yesterday. Sweaty and irritable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm, they're all they're all convincing. I think I'm going to dismiss A. Okay. Um, in all the time I've known you, I've never known you to be an iced latte man. Although I know you mm-hmm. like a shandy. Mm. Mm. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for C. I don't think you coped particularly well. <laughs> okay. In fact, I'm, I'm opting for a combination yep. of B and C. I think you stomped around in your pants all day, not particularly <laughs> coping very well. <laughs> I'll be honest, if you if you took the day in totality, it was a mixture of A, B and C. <laughs> okay. But I would say it, 
A was the was the was the strategy. Whether or not it was successful, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, it remains to be to be uh, is it you know is open to debate. But uh, yeah, no, it was option A. I I I didn't eat much at all yesterday, <laughs> but I drank I drank two, like basically pint glasses of iced latte, and then just from about uh, from about two p.m. onwards, I was just on the shandy for the rest of the day. Um, I, my tactic was I got a bottle of, like, fruit cordial. Yeah. And you know the classic where there's a tiny little bit left in the bottom, so you just fill the bottle with water and drink it out Mm -hmm. of the bottle. Did that, but I put one in the freezer, so I just had this, like, block of ice. And basically just sat with it on my chest watching telly, (laughs) and then when it had melted a bit, just drank it. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, uh, it is too hot. Yeah, I I think it. I, you know, we're probably complaining against it because let's be honest, we're both men of a fairly hirsute persuasion. Yeah, I think that's a nice way of putting it. And um, also, you know, broad in stature, shall yeah. we say? Yeah, we 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 we're gorilla men. Yeah, we're rotund, <laughs> barrel-shaped men. <laughs> Like, in the 1920s, we'd be working as strong men. We've got, like, that kind of physique. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not uh, it's not an easy one when it gets too hot for, for blokes like us. We're polar bears in the desert. I did say, I, 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 I toyed with making this one what I like to do as well. Uh, the other day, I was, at, I was at the play park with, um, with little Zorbs, and this kid uh, wearing a Hogwarts cloak and wielding a lightsaber, uh, wandered up to me, completely unprompted, and said, excuse me, do you watch Hairy Bikers? (laughs) (laughs) And I just had to say, uh, I just had to say, uh, not particularly, but yes, I can see how there's a passing resemblance. Yeah. (laughs) I'd have just pushed him over and ran away crying. You see, that's the thing. I was considering what would be the different ways I could have responded, <laughs> but I think it would be too obvious what my actual response would have been because, of course, I would have been incredibly polite about it. Yeah. Um, I'd have just pointed at him and shouted Expelliarmus <laughs> till he left. <laughs> right, well, whilst I'm complaining about it being too hot, do, yeah. do you mind if I complain about something else? Go for it. Okay, because it's the return of last week's feature... I refuse to be bullied. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Now, there's two particular strands to I refuse to be bullied this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because after I raised it on last week's pod, that, you know... You just not... You, you don't approve of Nutella and you don't want it being shoved uh, shoved in your face. Yeah, both metaphorically yeah. and literally. Um, yeah. So, I received another picture from Sam from the Married to Who podcast. Uh, mm. This time, just a big Nutella cake she'd made. Oh, fabulous. Just, just a giant Nutella cake. It had what looked like Ferrero Rocher on the top, mm. uh, which I'm not adverse to. But you, I mean, despite the fact that they are filled with Nutella. Yeah, but it's you get that nice crunch with them. It, it's the texture as much as the flavour I hate with Nutella. And, and toast famously not a crunchy substance. Not the way I like it. I like it like a butter sponge. Ah, uh, you don't underdo your toast, do you? I like it a little bit brown. 
Oh, no. Right. What are you playing oh, at, Matt? God's sake. That's going to be this week's bloody <laughs> platform, isn't it? Get all the trolls like, oh, what do you mean? You're not putting your toaster on the full setting? What are you doing, you freak? Right? I'm sick of this. If I want to take my shoes off in the cinema, I should be allowed without judgment, okay? Because the second strand of this, Jake yeah. from the Married to Who podcast sent, yeah. sent a message like he does every week saying, oh, this is the point in which, you know, you can listen to neither the time nor the space and they start talking about Doctor Who. This time, mm-hmm. he just said, oh, if you listen at 16 minutes, Matt proves he's an absolute sociopath, right? <laughs> Last last week, I put a message out on Twitter and yeah. two people supported me and said it's okay to take your shoes off in the cinema. Now, now it doesn't matter how, that there was an overwhelming majority that hands. said it was wrong because those people are perverts. <laughs> okay? So, to end this week's I Refuse to be Bullied, I've yeah. written a list and I have ranked my favourite people from the Married to Who podcast. Would you care to hear that, David? I'd love to. Okay. In joint first place, we have Alex, Jill, Cody and Terry. And that's Mm -hmm. the list. (laughs) They're the ones who have not wronged you. I refuse to be bullied. (laughs) Uh, I mean... What can I say, Matt? What can I say? Well, what I I can say is I'm editing our pod this week, so I might as well go all out. I refuse to be f***ing bullied. (laughs) I just think you need to take a long, hard look at your your choices, Matt. Right. I think. Imagine getting bullied because you don't like Nutella, you take your shoes off in the cinema, and you eat toast in a certain way. Imagine people picking on you for that. It's never too late to admit you've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes in our lives, Matt. It's it it's it, it takes bravery, it takes guts, but sometimes you've just got to hold your hand up and say, "Look, I've 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 I've, I've gone down a dark path in my life, and it's time to make a change." I'm a man of principle. I don't need this, all right? I'm a good man. I do honest work. <laughs> when I'm at when I'm at the pearly gates, right? I yeah. want bloody Saint Peter just going. Well done, Matt. You've really contributed a lot. You know, you've made <laughs> people's lives richer through your teachings. Hmm. But it says here you once took your shoes off when you went to watch Black Widow, and mm-hmm. it's not good enough. Yeah. You know what? That that's a heaven I could believe in. Oh, that's that's you know, I feel like if you you've got to lay down some ground rules is all I'm saying. I I can't believe that people's trolling of me has helped you refind your faith. <laughs> it's it was the only thing that was ever likely to to be honest. Um. Anyway, um, yeah, shall we I put think that pro- segment to bed? I think we probably should. Till next um, week, no doubt. So, what we left with, we, we can talk about TV for a bit, or we can talk about food for a bit. Uh, it's up to you. Which would you prefer? 
let's talk about TV, because we've got, obviously got, like, quite a long bit of TV talk to come later on. Um, so let's quickly get our TV highlights of the week out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I've been having a bit, bit of a um, Marvel TV show catch-up. I've um, finally finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So very fashionably late to that particular party. Um, mixed bag. Mixed bag for me, that series. Yeah, I, I don't think it delivered on its big premise of like having a big evil Captain America. Yeah, it, it kind of it threw a lot of balls in the air early on and it caught some of them, but not not all. It, it like um, So it, I didn't feel like it like sort of fully stuck the landing. And whilst I did not disagree with any of the points being made, like politically within that show, it felt incredibly heavy-handed at times. Mm-hmm. Like, like there was just absolutely no room for ambiguity to the point that people stopped behaving like people. Just like, let's all just stand here quietly and have a little lecture, and then we can move on with our days. Uh, I, I don't know, and I don't want to seem uncharitable, or like you know, or 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 like I'm diminishing the substance of what was being said. What was being said was absolutely valid and worth saying but you know there's got to be a difference between telling a story and preaching a sermon Uh um would be kind of where i land with that um but yeah uh it, it was okay it was okay but then obviously i moved on to and watched the first episode of loki Uh what did you think it's very much more my jam. Yeah. It must be said. I, I watched the final episode Yeah, uh, this week. And I didn't realise, but originally it was meant to be 12 episodes long. Was it? Um, but obviously no. due to like the pandemic and what have you, um, it got cut halfway. And I, So are they, are they planning to do a second series I, to I don't think it's any spoiler it? to say. Basically, the there's no post-credit scene in the final episode. Other than um, somebody like rubber stamps a piece of paper, and when mm-hmm. the rubber stamp moves, it just says Loki will return in season two. Ah, cool. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but it, so... it certainly sets up quite a lot. Mm. The, the final episode ties everything together. Um, mm. Certainly, if some of the fan theories on the internet are to be believed. We're in for a treat moving forward. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Like I say, there was um, episode one, it was a lot of world building, a lot of exposition, but it was delivered in quite an entertaining way. You know, there was some sort of Douglas Adams-y sort of touches with sort of weird sci-fi bureaucracy and things like that and the aesthetic the the design choices of that sort of retro futurism um just ah oh, yeah i'm 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 a that's a very easy sell for me uh-huh. we go down something like that and even the 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 uh the music the the theme music on the, on the end credits was like it was so obviously uh, inspired by Wendy Carlos's score for Clockwork Orange, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm here for this." 
the the vibes you're going for is just like I say, very much my jam. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to digging into the rest of that series. Mm-hmm. See, uh, I think episode yeah. five would probably have been, or episode six, whatever the final episode, probably my television highlight of the week. Although right. this week I've watched again because I'm just at home with nothing really to do. I've watched mm-hmm. all of the episodes that have been released of the new season of Rick and Morty, and there's a few highlights mm-hmm. in there. It's not that bad. Um, yeah, I am so behind on Rick and Morty. I've I've watched a couple of the, the first couple of season four, mm-hmm. and that's it. I need to catch up on Rick and Morty at some point. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've watched this week. Uh, I started watching the young ones again. Ah, oh, nice. Ten out of ten. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, I can't really remember. Always, always bear, bears a rewatch that. Because um, whilst I've been at home, whilst my wife's off, uh, she's mm. just been watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I've watched a lot of that this week. Mm. Um, what? What happens on that? Oh, David, literally nothing. Right? Mm. They, they basically talk about what they're going to do. Then there'll be some sort of problem. And do you know how they resolve all their problems, David? Like by being very wealthy. And yeah, they just literally throw money at it. Not as not as amusing as when Al Murray did that on Taskmaster, presumably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just absolute. They live in a totally different mm. sphere of existence. It's mental. I'm presuming that's that's kind of the appeal for people, though. Is it's it's basically just it gives them. It it's like a. a, a, a it, it it's basically writing yourself a ticket for permission to 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 just hate someone. Yeah. Um, like I, I watched one last night where they they spilt some spaghetti on a very expensive rug, and mm-hmm. then they had to go to a hardware store to get a carpet cleaner, and it was like you know oh look these socialites don't know how to clean a carpet with the rest of us, mm-hmm. and they didn't want their mum to find out. So at the end, they just told her, and she was like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll just buy a new carpet." It's just mad. There's no, you, mm. you always get a little moral to the story, but it's never the one you expect. It's just, <laughs> it's just, hey guys, we're so rich, we haven't actually got problems. Yeah, it's mad. It's yeah. I don't think I could. I don't think I could last five minutes of of that show. Yeah, I, I watch it with a very different approach to my wife. Hmm. What does she get out of it, you think, then? Um, well, I don't know. She likes things like fashion and stuff like that. Hmm. I suppose there will be fashion in it. Yeah. You fashion know. will happen at some points. I don't know. Quite often when she puts it on, I just like go, oh, hmm. I'm going to go have a bath. And then I'll just disappear yeah. upstairs to my man cave for hours. <laughs> yeah. It, it really, to hold my interest, it would need, they'd need to... Con- seriously up the quantity of laser guns or axe-wielding orcs or something. Yeah. That, uh, you know, if there was, if there was, you know, more or less the same show, but once a week, an axe-wielding orc would just kind of burst into the, into the room and just mindlessly slaughter someone, that would, that would hold my attention. Hmm... I think you're really missing the premise here because what they'd actually do was mm. take the orc for like a manicure, pedicure, and a lovely spa day, and then at the end 
there'd be like a little secret meeting of all the Kardashian sisters where they slag the orc off behind its back <laughs> and call it like a pig. Um, that's yeah. how every episode goes. Though, having said that, I think I'd still watch that. Maybe. I think it's just, it would just be the, the having an orc is enough. So that's so we'll, 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 we should start a letter writing campaign or something. Yeah. I'll, more, I'll... more orcs in keeping up with the Kardashians. Right. That can go on the other page where I've got my uh, different ideas of how we're going to get rich quick. That can go with <laughs> Peter the Man from Unit. Mm-hmm. That idea we had that we would sell just the top layer of lasagna, just the crunchy <laughs> bit. And I'll add on there keeping. Shall, shall we call it keeping orc with the Kardashians? I suppose so. It, it's, yeah. it's a working title. Working yeah. title. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's a question, David. Yes. Why does anyone ever listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I've said before and I'll we, say it again, it's mystifying to me. Yeah, but is it misleading that we always go, hello, welcome to blah, 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 a podcast about Doctor Who? It's not... That's not even that's not even the most popular feature of our show. <laughs> Shall we get on to our most popular feature then, Matt? Come on, meal of the week. Um, right, do you want me to do meal of the week or breakfast first? Well, we always start with breakfast, David. Come on. Okay. Okay. So breakfast, I'm going to surprise you this week, Matt. I'm genuinely going to surprise you. Weetabix with a little bit of banana chopped up. Ooh. I like the yeah. sound of that. Now, yeah. did you add milk so it was like a paste or? Oh, of course. Do you like your milk? Well, do you like your Weetabix crunchy or do you like them like pasty? I I like it somewhere in the middle. So what happens? Oh is... God! Can you believe it, guys? Let's all judge <laughs> David. Let's all send him angry tweets about his decisions on Weetabix. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, what I have to do is basically. Apply the milk, and then it's like someone's. You might as well have the countdown clock in the background. I've got about thirty seconds to demolish it before the the milk has soaked too far into the into the Weetabix and turned it into a soggy mess that I don't want to touch. Mm-hmm. But you can't have it dry. I've never understood the eating Weetabix dry thing. Um. Yeah, I I like them. I wouldn't say I like them wet without them being smushy. Oh, excuse me. I didn't yeah, burp there. Yeah, you you got to have a bit of bite, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what did I have? Ah, oh, I tell you what, I had this morning, this week, yeah. David. I again made snickerdoodles. So I had a big oh, coffee crikey. and a snickerdoodle. Mm. I still need to attempt those. Ah, oh, they're so good. Because, yeah. uh, I, like I say, I'm basically locked in my house for a week, and I just realised we didn't have any uh, biscuits, so mm. uh, I just made some. You just took matters into your own hands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. They were divine. They were lovely. Mm. So, meal of the week. I've already referenced it actually. It was the car- caramel ice latte. Oh, nice. I mean, pro. Probably because I think I, I think I, I cut myself off at two yesterday. I'm pretty sure. Yesterday's a bit of a haze, yeah. to be honest. Um, 
but yeah, so we'll say the first of those. Uh, because that was just like it was like nectar of the gods. Uh, what about you? Uh, my meal of the week is a half-eaten bag of Everton mints <laughs> and a Capri Sun. <laughs> oh, we've come a long way from those fancy pants booths meals you were doing at the, the start yeah. of the year. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, so I had a couple of black and white Everton mints. And yeah. an apple and blackcurrant Capri Sun. Uh, that was going to be my next question. What flavour Capri Sun yeah. were you going for? Uh, they were the last the last meal I had in freedom before... Mm. What what day are we on now? Sunday. So this is the fourth day of my isolation. Mm. Why do you drink a Capri Sun, Matt? Yeah. Do you like to pretend that you're an astronaut? Uh, no. I would say my biggest fear with Capri Sun is that I'm going to push the straw too hard and it's just going to come out the other side. Oh, yeah. You know. uh, It would just, yeah, that would be pretty disastrous. Yeah. There is something very satisfying about drinking a Capri Sun just because it's it's means of conveyance. Because because of rising COVID cases, our school closed to students... And I was doing distance learning, so I was in school, but teaching my lessons online. And I thought, yeah. if I'm just going to be in school, I- I'm gonna. No one can judge me. I'm just going to have like a bag of mints on the table, and I'll have one of them every so often. And you know, mm. if I'm thirsty, save me getting up and walking. I'll take a pack of Capri Sun with me. Excellent. The, Whatever gets you through. Yeah. The problem was, like I say, shortly after the first Capri Sun, I got pinged and had to go home. So I had to message all my co-workers, just like, if anyone wants them, a bag of Capri Sun, and people were going mad for them, fighting <laughs> And the worst bit was, on Thursday, when I got sent yeah. home, I was supposed to be having a job interview. So I had to, mm. like, rearrange that and have it done online. Uh, so then I had pretty much an hour to drive home before that started. And I was just so stressed. It was just a yeah. nightmare. Unpleasant. So, would you say that the Capri Sun of the Mints? That's basically that's your meal of the week because it was essentially your last taste of freedom. No, no, I didn't get the job interview. Thank you for asking, David. I, I didn't get that <laughs> job. No, no, they awarded it to someone else, but that's fine. Yeah, no. yeah, we'll talk about the Capri Sun. Um, yeah, because it was my last uh, last meal as a free man. It's the last thing I remember about well, the old world. <clears throat> yeah. Who knows what kind of uh, uh, strange new uh, society you'll you'll emerge from your chrysalis into. I've already decided. First day I'm free, next Saturday, straight away, I'm going for a pizza hut. Mm. Fair enough. I, 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 what are you, is that going to be like an evening affair, or are you going for the buffet? Uh, I don't think they do the buffet on weekends. I might have to wait till the Monday. Oh, but They used to do it on weekends. Yeah. They definitely but, did. Yeah. Plus, at the minute, I don't think they do the full buffet. It's called the bluffet at the minute, uh, where you basically just order unlimited pizzas. Of course, yeah. It's not really going to be... It's it's not a great idea for, in a COVID situation, is it? No. Uh, having a Having a... Buffet. Yeah. Oh, God. Imagine if, if COVID kills off the Pizza Hut buffet. 
for good. I don't know. That would be... What, what, what do you say has been the greatest casualty of the COVID like, era? I mean, the performing arts. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> But beyond that, beyond like the big stuff, are you joking? I mean, within within got to be two weeks of the pandemic, Disney Plus had put Hamilton on. You know, someone's making money out the performing arts. Yeah, but but it's not the performers. Yeah, there's a lot of out of work actors and musicians at the moment. Um, Maybe they should all yeah, band I... together and form like a super group. What of about ten thousand? Yeah, people all all just playing. They want to they want to show some initiative. Once. Captain Sir Tom Moore, he just went for a little pot around his garden and made a fortune. <laughs> Imagine if there was millions of them. <laughs> so what you're saying is, uh, every out of work actor and musician should just go for a walk around their garden. No, what we should do is put them to work <laughs> like Hoover did in the Depression. They could just go litter picking. I mean, I think that's already happening, Matt. That's 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 literally what is happening for a lot of those people good. right now. That is a good use of their time. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> Matt, what do you reckon? Here's an idea for you. How about we talk about the lie of the land for a bit, and then we can all just get get, get on with the rest of our day. Yeah. We can put put this whole sorry mess behind yeah, us. Yeah, this foul jamboree. <laughs> right, well, have we got time for listener tweets? Uh, yes, we have. I've always got time for listener tweets. Yeah, that's because you're going to secretly go have a bath, and in between each one I'll just play that soundbite of you from last week. So Absolutely. We're doing yeah. well. Right, let me just find these. Uh, before we get on to listener tweets about the episode... Mm. Uh, I did get some nice supportive tweets about having to isolate, so thank you to anyone that sent those. Um, yeah, know, it's nice to know. Our listeners, our listeners are lovely people. Yeah, it's nice to know in amongst all the bullies, yeah. there's some, some good eggs out there. Yeah. So, uh, here we go. Right. So, the lie of the land. First message, David, this week. Yes. Just to answer your question from last week comes from James Swift. So it turns out he is quite swift. Yeah, excellent. Good work, James. Okay. So Keep that up. <laughs> see see how long how uh, long of a streak he can go, being the first to respond. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm going to put that on the running order for next week. Is James Swift really that swift? There we go. Right. <laughs> James says, I like this one. It's like the Series 3 finale, but done better. It also features mm. one of my favourite Doctor quotes towards the end. Doesn't say what that quote is, so we'll just make it up. I think it's <laughs> when the Doctor said... Uh, Morty Vicar? Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a standout moment, for sure. Uh, good, though. I... I I've never made that connection between this and the Series 3 finale. There definitely is some uh, some similarities there. Which one's the Series 3 finale? That's the one where the Master takes over um, and oh, builds yeah, great yeah, big yeah. statues of himself and Martha go, goes for, for a bit of a wonder. Yeah. Has a gap year. It's the one with Dobby Doctor, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Interesting. Right. Who else have we got? 
No, you're supposed to say cool tweet, bro. What's next? I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Just just spice it in from last week. It'll be fine. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Next is BT Flibbity Gigat, who says, Up until very recently, this was my least favourite episode of Doctor Who ever. Yes, wow. worse than anything in the Sixth Doctor's first season. Yes, worse than Love and Monsters, or even Fear Her. Crikey. Okay, it's not all bad. In fact, when Miss is around, it's actually rather good. And I tend to be the type of person to concentrate on the stuff I like about episodes rather than the stuff I dislike, which you probably noticed from my tweets so far. But it does have my two least favourite scenes in the entire show, and I would be remiss if I didn't complain about it. Okay. First, my least favourite scene in any Doctor Who media, the bit where the Doctor keeps pretending to be working with the monks for way too long until Bill shoots him. There's nothing wrong with this scene in concept, like he does have to ensure that Bill isn't under the control of the monks somehow. But what puts it over the edge for me is how even when Bill has broken into the monk ship and called him out for just pretending to work for them, he still has the guards point guns at her, manipulates mm. her into shooting him, and trolls her by pretending to regenerate. At that point, he's just being cruel, and after all the careful work over the rest of the season to show all the ways Twelve's grown compared to the last few seasons, it feels like a massive step backward for his character development and for the show. Worst mm -hmm. scene in Doctor Who by far. After that, it picks up a bit. I love everything about the central Missy scene, from Bill being weirded out by the Doctor having a woman just locked in the basement, to the way that Missy gives them a solution to the monks, in mm -hmm. horrifying step-by-step -step detail. And I especially love the way that Missy picks apart the Doctor's sense of morality compared to her own, slowly developing sense of morality. For Missy, sacrificing Bill, or at least Bill's mind, is the pragmatic moral solution. One person for the planet, easy. Very much in the vein of the Doctor's pragmatism in something like Season 8's Mummy on the Orient Express. And when the Doctor rejects that solution out of hand, she calls him out on your version of being good is not absolute. It's vain, arrogant and sentimental. Despite the coldness of her solution, it's miles ahead of any morality we've seen from any version of the Master before. Honestly, it's the amazing setup of that scene that makes the ending of the episode so disappointing to me. Like, we knew that the Doctor would find a way around this somehow, but the solution is a Deus Ex Machina on par with The Power of Three, another episode where I hated the ending. Unlike Oxygen or Pyramid at the End of the World, we don't get the Doctor or Bill having a difficult, hard-won mixed-bag victory, which in an ideal world is how, the world, how this would end. Instead, we get true love bullshit. It's a bit, bit mm -hmm. coarse, that language, isn't it? Yeah, we don't need that sort of, no. that sort of language on this show. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's still more to go. Okay, doke. Okay. Uh, at least we get one more scene with Missy at the end, proving that the Deus Ex Machining, our way out of consequences for the Monk storyline, doesn't negate all the amazing character development that she's going through. Now, for my opinion on the Monks trilogy in general. This three-parter is kind of the polar opposite of the classic Who Trial of a Time Lord season. While in my opinion, Trial of a Time Lord ends up being greater than the sum of its parts, the Monks trilogy is better as individual episodes than as one story. Mm. Each episode has its high points, 
but when you put them together they don't really form a coherent whole and at some points the worst bits actively make the wor the better bits worse lie of the land is definitely a low point of season 10 even though i do love the missy parts on a side note i do feel bad for being so down on this episode though moffat was writing his parts while his mother was dying in hospital which might explain why the ending in particular is so rushed and unsatisfying Still a bad episode with some good bits, though. Right, we, we've covered this. Don't put mm -hmm. your ratings in our scale, okay? We decide <laughs> if it's good episode, bad episode. Okay? <laughs> so that was quite a long tweet. I might edit the whole thing out if they're just going to put their own judgments on it. <laughs> no, there was, there was a lot of interesting and, and well-argued points in there, um, some of which I'm sure we will touch on ourselves as we, as we get into our discussion as well. I think there's certainly... Yeah, there's there's a lot to to um, dig into with this story, good good or bad. Um, right, do we get any other responses? Say the line. <clears throat> uh, cool tweets. Was it? Was it? Cool Sorry, tweet, it... bro. What's next? Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Right. Basic. So this is from. James Courtney, the real James. The original. Yeah, Jamo numero uno, who says, basically, what Flippity Giggard said. The regeneration scene alone put this story in my bottom ten of all Who episodes. And I still mm -hmm. think it's there. But it isn't anyone's fault, really. As already said, last week's episode was rewritten by Moffat as he sat by his dying mother. I think by this point in production, she had unfortunately passed away, so Stephen was understandably not particularly involved in production. Ultimately, this left the trilogy uncoordinated, so it became less than the sum of its parts. The episode was trying really hard to be a take on 1984, as lots of people were when we had the Orange President, but it only took the surface understanding of the book without any deeper meaning to be found. The most interesting bit of the episode was the idea that the Doctor was helping the monks. How brilliant would it have been if they stuck with that? Maybe Missy could have saved the Doctor, but alas, not. Michelle Gomez was fantastic, though, as was the direction from Wayne Yip. Yeah, definitely um, worth shouting out Wayne Yip. Is this his first episode? I can't remember. Uh, I think so. It's not a name I recognised. Yeah, no, he does great work in this episode. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? Next, it's a message from Amy. And in fact, we haven't said hello to people this week, so do you want to go back to the beginning, David? Say hello to James Swift. Hello, James. Do you want me to read all the tweets out again, or should we just keep going? No, I, th I think we can probably just crack on. Right. Do you want to say hello to BT Flibbity Giggard? H hello, B BT Flibbity Giggard. Do you want to say hello and to James Courtney? Hello, James Courtney. There we go. And now you can finally say hello to Amy. Hello to Amy. There we go. Right. Yeah. Amy says, I liked it. It wasn't a bad ending to the trilogy, in my opinion. An extra episode under the monk's rule would have been nice. I loved Missy and the use of Bill's mum. Peter Capaldi's hair also looked great. Mm. And then... we, You know what? I will say, uh, sorry to, to, to interrupt, but it's something we haven't addressed on this podcast. There are uh, countless hours worth of 
podcasting discussions across the fandom at this point about Peter Capaldi's hair because there is a progression from the very short cropped hair of series eight through to the increasingly unruly mop that we get to, uh, by series 10. And um, yeah, you've never discussed it. You've never raised it, have you, Matt? I don't think. It's because I haven't got any hair of my own, David. I'm in no position <laughs> so to judge. So it's pure jealousy. Yeah. Pure jealousy. Yeah. It is beautiful, though. Mm. Just you wait, Matt. There's more to come when it comes to Peter Capaldi's hair. Right. Um, okay, so Amy ends her tweet with a quote that mm -hmm. says, Your version of good is not absolute. It's vain, mm. arrogant, and sentimental. Yeah. Definitely a... a, a a big moment from this episode, I'd say. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? We got a message from Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Do you want to say hello, David? Hello, Jake. Okay. And he says, I really like the production designer. That's about it. At least you have a Mark Gattis episode to look forward to next week. <laughs> you stole my thunder, Jake. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. This series just keeps getting better and better for you, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah. I'll tell you what, next week, if people are judging me about the toast, they're going to get both barrels next week, because I can imagine I'm not going to be in a great mood. We shall see. Um, fantastic. Cool tweet, bro. What's next? What's next is we better talk about the episode. Oh, excellent. Right. Um, so, Matt... Where are you ranking Lie of the Land? Good episode, bad episode, or somewhere in between? I'm probably going to go bad episode. Bad episode, good bits? Um, well, the thing is, like, the only good bit I really liked was any scene with Missy. Mm -hmm. But By any scene, you mean the one scene? <laughs> no, she's in it twice, isn't she? She's in it in the beginning and in it at the end. Oh, right at the end, yeah, there's that little epilogue, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that might be casting unfair praise on this episode. Mm. I think there are other things that you could point to as being excellent. Um, for example, Pearl Mackey's performance throughout. Yeah, but again, just... she's always good. Like, But that doesn't mean it's not worth pointing out. Um, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I maintain what I said earlier, this series, it is baffling to me that she isn't in more stuff why is she not being cast in everything um, I'm certain we've done this before but I'm just going to quickly mm. IMDB her let's see what she's up to recently so since Doctor Who she was on the Crystal Maze presumably just as herself Yeah, she was in Friday Night Dinner yep. uh, she's done a couple of like radio plays mm-hmm um, has she done a film? Oh yeah, she was in a film called Greed. I don't know what that is. Mm. Probably a fair, fair... Oh, it's got I Steve Coogan in it. It must be a British film. Mm. It's got David Mitchell, yeah. uh, Asa Butterfield. Ah, I've not heard of that. When uh, did that come out? Uh, the film centres around Sir Richard McCready, played by Coogan, a billionaire high street fashion mogul based on Arcadia Group chairman Philip Green. Ah, uh, that was 2019. So, then she was in... So, a not-so-subtle not bit of satire, potentially. 
and then she was in a Swedish, an English language Swedish film called mm. Horizon Line about a pair that desperately struggle to survive flying a small plane over the Indian Ocean after the su- the pilot suffered a fatal heart attack. Mm. So basically, Hollywood hasn't cottoned on yet. No, but I don't know. Like they're, I don't feel it out. did with like Matt Smith initially. No. It's it's mad it's mad to be like don't get me wrong Karen Gillan is is great but it's weird how out of all of your new who actors she's the only one to really make it big mm. when I would say Pearl Mackey is she should be in everything I'm just gonna keep saying it she should be in everything yeah it's she's um, pretty good yeah. She's fantastic in this episode, uh, especially given that, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, cards on the table, bad episode, some good bits. Um, she's she does amazing work with what she's given, which is not enough yeah. <laughs> um, in this story. Um, I, I really wanted to like this one on a rewatch. Um, but it's oh. It's, I don't know, it's, I think it's, I think it's better than Pyramid at the End of the World. It annoys me less overall than Pyramid at the End of the World. Mm -hmm. But taken as a whole, the Monks trilogy is flashes of brilliance interspersed with an awful lot of just grinding along getting from A to B or outright bad ideas that should not have been committed to film. I I would say the only bit that really made me think, oh, this could be all right, is Mm. the idea that the Doctor maybe thought Earth was better off with the monks. And I thought, oh, wow, that's like Mm. a really interesting concept. And then about two minutes later, he was like, nope, joke's on them. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about that scene in more depth um, in just a moment. I think I think we just need to just rattle through this one at this point. Yeah. Right, so The Lie of the Land is episode 8 of season 10 from the 3rd of June 2017, mm-hmm. written by Toby Whithouse, directed by yeah. Wayne Yip. And I, I think I'll, I'll say as well, this, I'm pretty sure this is the first Toby Whithouse episode that I have given anything less than a good yeah to. sometimes good with bad bits but he's a pretty solid contributor to this show yeah i can't i can't identify any of his episodes but i know whenever his name crops up we see it as a bit of a mark of quality don't we you've got school reunion you've got vampires of venice under the lake before the flood god complex um is the one that i'm missing i can't remember but anyway did, did that he to do... me Time Heist. No, no, it's a different writer for Time Heist. Did he do sure. Mummy on the Orient Express? No, that's Jamie Matheson. Oh, is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah, potentially. But I put I put Whithouse in a similar thing of just being like a very safe pair of hands. Generally, mm-hmm. um, I do think a lot of the issues surrounding this one is potentially down to the production aspects of this is you know that as others have mentioned Moffat was not in a good place 
emotion like he his his attentions were divided yeah and i think it shows over the course of this trilogy and it and it's really disappointing me to me because i love the idea of attempting a three-parter a, a story with a really epic scale but doing it in a way that feels where every episode feels different and has a different writer working on it that's a really cool interesting thing it's the sort of thing only doctor who could do really mm-hmm. um but it just it doesn't it doesn't mesh ultimately and 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 and, and it ends up leaving you thinking uh, the monks who who a really interesting concept for a villain they end up feeling like some of the most one dimensional doctor who villains we've ever had um which is disappointing because they've had three episodes in which to potentially be fleshed out yeah and they're just not by the end of it. I, yeah, the, by the end of it, they're no, they're in no better position than some villains that have just had one episode. Yeah, absolutely. We 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 know about we know we know about as much about them as we do about the Midnight Entity. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which is, you know, practically nothing. Um, oh, frustrating, frustrating. But anyway, let's just, let's just, you know, dig in and, uh, yeah, put this one to bed. Right. So the episode begins with narration from the Doctor, who yep. talks us through the history of the monks shepherding humanity throughout their history. Mm-hmm. Humanity and the monks have blissfully shared the earth. Yeah, and I do quite like that it's almost like a party political broadcast or something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what's up, it really is a trope of the, the Capaldi years. Any excuse to get him doing voiceover or monologuing to the camera, or do you know what I mean? Like, any excuse to just give Capaldi some way of directly addressing the audience. Yeah. Um it seems like. Uh, but this is a nice spin. It's a bit different. And also the fact that he's he's seemingly in cahoots with the bad guys. That's an interesting starting point. So we then see a family watching this broadcast. There's a knock at the door. And yep. eventually the door is smashed in by a SWAT team. Okay, mm-hmm. Because the mother of the family has been producing anti-monk propaganda. Yeah. Okay. And she begins shouting the truth against the monks, you know, saying, yeah. this broadcast is a lie. They've only been here six months. Mm-hmm. Oh. That, that, that whole bit felt very tenant era to me. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like just the sort of, the sort of scene you'd get in one of his episodes. Okay. You know, you've got your ordinary folk, you've got your, your very generic fascist police state types. Yeah. And when the mother is dragged out into the street, kicking and screaming, this is witnessed by Bill. And as the broadcast continues, we see worldwide there are statues of the monks. And yeah. I think at this point the doctor, you know, says, don't worry, your life's in safe hands. And I couldn't work yeah. out whether that was the doctor saying, don't worry, the monks have got this, or whether it was like a little subliminal message saying, don't worry, I've got this. It's... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
Okay, so after the titles, Bill makes a couple of cups of coffee and mm. envisions that she's having a conversation with her mum. Mm. Okay. Thankfully, Bill remembers the truth. She remembers everything that's going on. Can I just say, it's very, it's a very sweet thing for Bill, and obviously, you know, it's it's a coping mechanism. That's fine, but very wasteful. Yeah. Unless she's going to end up downing that extra cup of coffee. Do you think it ends and she's just like, "Bye, Mum, I love you," and then just shots the other cup of coffee down the sink, just like, <laughs> "Right, well, I'm done with that. Moving on." Plus, At some point she's going to have to. I think this episode would have been better if we'd have seen Bill having these conversations throughout the series. I agree. We get couple a couple of references. Like in, in the pilot, she says, um, oh, my mum always used to say, um, what was it, you can smell the wind on some people's clothes. Um, and then she sort of later has to say, Oh, yeah, no, I just made that up. I just, you know, it's the sort of thing I think she'd say. So you do get this hint that she has already, before she even had the pictures, she's kind of built up this image of her imaginary perfect mum that she never had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, potentially we could have had that peppered through a bit more. Yeah. So, uh, like I say, Bill remembers the truth. And we see the monks are not just taking people. I think when they take that mum at the beginning, they're like, oh, you're going to go to a work uh, camp. Mm. But we actually see that they sometimes execute their opposition. And the doctor seems to be working for or is imprisoned by the monks. Yeah. So Nardole arrives and interrupts Bill's conversation with her mum. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill kind of tests him to I- make sure, you know, it is Nardole. So, full disclosure, my recording just broke then. Um, mm. So, if the conversation doesn't flow, that's why. But the good news is, whilst I was saving the first part of this episode and starting the new one... Went downstairs, David, to get a drink, and you'll never guess what I've got. What have you got? Can you hear that? Oh. It's a is bottle. that a Capri Sun? No, it's a bottle of cordial that was in the freezer, so some of it's a bit uh. frozen. So, we'll continue with that. Right. Mm. Let's start this again. So, Nardol arrives at Bill's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I quite like that once Bill's tested him to make sure that it is Nardole that we know and love and not some someone taking his place. She just gives him a little punch for taking so long to come in to see her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's and, and it's like it's not it's not just a it, it's obviously meant to be just a playful thing, but like Nardole's just like, ow, that really hurt. Yeah. I, I, I think Matt Lucas has just been quietly brilliant all through this series. He's definitely grown on me. I, I think less yeah. is more with Nardole. I think so, and I think it took took them a couple of episodes to figure that out, but they definitely they get the balance right yeah. um, as the series goes on. Okay, so it turns out he was knocked out for six weeks after the bacteria in last episode. Which yep. I never noticed at the time, but the bacteria, it did consume everyone else it touched, didn't it? Yeah. But with Nardole, he's just laid on the floor. 
Yeah. So it's obviously because he's not entirely just all human. No. Okay. So, uh, Bill can't work out what the monks are doing. Why would they want to change history? And Nadol says it's like Stockholm Syndrome. They are endearing themselves to the human race, which is going to make subjugation easier. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turns out the Doctor has located... Sorry, Nardole has located the Doctor. Yeah. Using a little machine he found in a drawer with the Chinese takeaway menus and some Danish kroner. (laughs) See, little jokes like that are better than when Nardole's just being silly. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I just... I love those little moments where we get a sense of the d- domestic side of, of the TARDIS, especially at the moment when you think about, until quite recently, the TARDIS had, had effectively been a, a glorified storage cupboard slash dormitory for the Doctor, mm. you know, because he was grounded and working at the university. So so I just love the idea that he'd just shove his takeaway menus <laughs> in, but, in the TARDIS. But what I like about this episode and yeah. probably this series, is whenever they talk about their adventures, yeah. it's always adventures we've seen. I get the feeling that we've basically seen everything Bill has done with the Doctor. Pretty much. You know, like when yeah. Clara's there, and she's like, oh, do you remember when we were on the moon and there was a, I don't know, a big uh, flower or something stupid? Yeah, there's 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 huge gaps in, in uh, I mean, all through Matt Smith's tenure. Mm-hmm. There's great big gaping holes that are waiting to be filled by a certain purveyor of niche science fiction audio drama. Okay, so the Doctor is on a boat, he's at sea, Mm -hmm. and there's a delivery boat every two weeks. So the next shipment is in two days, and we get a little montage of how they gain access. Yeah, it's your classic heist thing of... Uh, explaining the plan whilst the plan is unfolding. Like, it's a, it's a really good little device, isn't it? Mm. To kind of keep things ticking along. So, as everyone on the ship's papers are being checked and we find mm. out Nardol doesn't have papers and Bills will say that she shouldn't be there, yeah. some of the monks arrive. Yes. And they survive the security checks because the monks kind of take the attention of the people away and eventually they find the doctor yes now this is the scene that most people seem to hate with this episode it is a pretty controversial scene it's fair to say how did it land with you matt um like i say i was quite interested in the idea that the doctor had accepted that the monks were better but then, within about three minutes, that illusion shattered, and I was just like, "All oh, right, it's it's just Doctor Who, isn't it?" Yeah. Yeah. What did you think the Doctor was being a colossal asshole? Uh, yeah, but we've seen this incarnation of the Doctor be that in the past. Yeah, but with a purpose. Like there is, like there's a difference between being cold-bloodedly pragmatic as he was for some some of his darker moments in series 8 and what we have here which is not like yes he needed to make sure that bill wasn't being influenced by the monks but he didn't need to do it like that 
and he didn't need to be quite so gleeful about it afterwards mm. when she is clearly traumatised. He, he has just pushed his so-called friend to the point of feeling like she has no voice but to try and kill him. And seconds later, he's like, ha-ha, classic prank, got you. Um, it's, it doesn't sit well with me. And it doesn't sit well with a lot of people because it feels like it crosses a line mm-hmm. and isn't true to... I mean, the Doctor is a nebulous character. No one, I think, can claim wholeheartedly, oh, the Doctor wouldn't do X, Y, Z because we've seen him do some terrible things. We didn't see him do some magnificently wonderful things. And quite often, when you compare like-for-like situations... There is a degree of potential, you know, arguable hypocrisy in different ways. Different doctors have responded to similar situations. Um, but ultimately, it, it yeah, it, it does feel like it crosses a line for me. It feels very misjudged. And I don't know whether that's just whether you blame the writing, whether you blame the direction. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there could have been a different way to get to this point of the Doctor and Bill realise neither of them are being influenced by the monks and they can trust each other. Mm-hmm. Which is ultimately all this scene is serving to do. And the fake-out regeneration as well is, like, um, completely... It, it seems like a, a really cheap shot, both for the Doctor and, and for the show to be doing. Because as an audience, we're like, oh, he's not going to regenerate. We know he's not going to regenerate in the middle of Series 10. You know, by this point, I'm I'm trying to think, by this point, did we know? I think we actually knew who the next Doctor was going to be. Right. At, like, it had been announced fairly recently. So we're like, well, it's not, you know, we know this isn't going to, this is just going to be a fake out. It's not like, for example, where you had the end of series four, we knew that the next episode of the show was going to be called The Next Doctor and it ends on this cliffhanger. Uh, um, the, the, the midpoint of the series four finale ends on this cliffhanger of the Doctor's going to regenerate. And obviously that it, that, that is a cop-out ultimately. You just end up with the, the sort of the second Doctor. Um, not, the, not the second Doctor. I'm rambling. I'm very incoherent <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. It, it, it feels cheap. Feels cheap and unpleasant and unnecessary. Um, so yeah, it doesn't sit well with me. To be honest, I sort of blanked it out of my brain until we sort of got the build up to this scene when they were on the boat, and I was just like, "Oh god, yeah, no, I remember this." Mm. And uh, no, it's not. It doesn't. It, it's not landed with me any better on this watch through than it has on the previous ones. Right. Should we run through the scene quickly then? So I suppose we'd better. Have. They enter the room. The Doctor summons the guards, and he yeah. says that the monks are helping humanity to prosper. And he says they've only arrived because somebody welcomed them. So Bill is blamed for this invasion. So. Bill tries to give him a coded message. She asks about the big fish in the Seine in uh, Paris. The yeah. doctor says, you know, um, that 
that was a coded message because the big fish was in London. Okay. So, again, all the guards have got their weapons drawn. Uh Bill steals one of their guns, points it at the doctor, and when he still refuses to back down, she eventually shoots him. Mm -hmm. We get all his regeneration energy, and it turns out, as we've already discussed, it was just one big test. Yeah. So, so like when when it when it got to that point where he was regenerating, you you weren't buying that for a second, were you? Well, no, but I was a bit like, oh, is this like when Tennant regenerated? Are we going to see? Because yeah. obviously at this point, all his clothes are in tatters, and he looks a mm-hmm. bit worse for wear. I was like, is he just going to come back in like new, clean clothes and a bit, you know, more sprightly? Hmm. But anyway, no, just uh, just a big old fake out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so. Turns out the bullets were blanks because the Doctor has freed his own guards. He's got a little coalition mm-hmm. of freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. And ultimately says, if we're going to win this battle, I need the help of the only person as clever as I am. Yeah. Okay. Well, we know who that is. Mm. So rather than simply leaving the ship, he smashes it into the shore. Mm-hmm. And the monks are waiting for them at the university. Except mm-hmm. they're not going to the doctor's office, they're going down to the vault. So I really like the bit where they open the vault and Bill sees Missy for the first time and he's like, Oh, I assumed you had a monster in here. And the doctor looks at her quite sternly and says, Yes, yes, I do. I thought that was mm-hmm. quite a good line. Yeah. I was just going to say, generally, we basically, the pendulum has swung here. We've gone from one of the worst, certainly one of the worst scenes of the series so far, to one of the best. Yeah. I mean, just the the Twelfth Doctor and Missy, it's, every scene is like a freaking ice cream sundae. Yeah. It, it's just delight from start to finish. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Did Matt Smith met Mi- Missy, didn't he? Nope. Was it just Capaldi? Yeah, because she's. Do you remember she's the big bad yeah, in series I just, eight, I, and she's like. That's right. I remember out. Clara was there, and mm. yeah. Um, so I also. I'd love. Uh, yeah, that would be really interesting to see. You know, Tennant or um, uh, the trouble. The trouble with that is you'd have to engineer a way in which they forget. Yeah. About her. Yeah. Um, I, I st- you can have future incarnations bumping into her. I still want my Missy versus River Song story. Oh, that'd be the I, a big finish. Must have by now. <laughs> I know. I know. Like they've they've got Michelle Gomez on the books. They do. They do f- stuff with her fairly regularly at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I also like the line where Bill says, "Look, keeping a woman in a vault." Even I think that's weird. And I was attacked by a puddle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Missy is really flippant about being locked up. Again, another good line. She says, look, once I built a gun out of leaves, if I wanted to escape, I would have by now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then we have this bit where the Doctor's trying to work out what's going on and Missy's guiding him without telling him. Mm. And it turns out that one person is the psychic link. 
So they infiltrated the human race by being accepted by Bill. So they've sort of yes. commandeered her mind. And then the statues they've placed all around the world are signal boosters. Yeah. So in order to break the psychic link, the easiest way they can do that is simply to kill Bill. Hmm. Okay. So the doctor is flat out refusing to do so again. Missy's quite pragmatic and just goes, look, just do it. But it, it solves all your problems. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in a way, Bill has kind of accepted her fate a little bit. You know, yeah. she's not totally... Although she's upset, she's not totally dismissive of the idea. She's like, if this is what needs to happen to save the world, then, yeah, fine. Yeah, uh, which is... Again, just goes to show like Bill's strength of character. Uh-huh. So they yeah. go to their little resistance base in a train mm-hmm. yard, and Bill explains to Nardo that she probably has to die. Yeah. Okay. So the doctor says the plan is we're going to break into the Monk HQ. That yeah. way, if they are transmitting from bill's mind all we need to do is destroy the transmitter rather than destroy bill's mind yeah okay so we see them approach and the lies that the monks are transmitting become stronger harder to resist as you get closer to their base yeah okay so for example they talk about this myth that there's seemingly loads and loads of monks when really there's only 12. Mm. Okay. So once they enter Monk HQ, there's a little bit of a fight, but Bill had recorded a tape on Walkman for everybody to recite the truth to them. Yeah. So I feel like either there is a line I missed or was cut from the edit or something about why they couldn't use digital technology to to do that because like they they make a point of like they've given them analog tapes i feel like there must be like that seems like very a very odd choice if it wasn't for a tactical reason do you know what i mean i don't know it's just very doctor who isn't it I suppose it is, yeah. I feel like there needed to be a line in there, but maybe there wasn't a mystery. Okay, so they have a little scrap, and Alan, who is one of the soldiers, Mm -hmm. uh, takes a bullet straight to the Walkman, so it destroys his... uh, Destroys... Destroys the tape. That's right, sorry. So he is overrun now with the monk's message, okay, Mm -hmm. and... He then pulls a gun on the doctor. Yeah. Or at least he tries to, because Nadal knocks him out. And yeah. I, I think they'd have loved to have called it the Vulcan nerve pinch, but they obviously didn't have the rights, did they? They didn't, no. yeah. So he calls it something ridiculous and talks about mm-hmm. how he knows their martial arts. Okay. Yeah. So eventually, Dr. Bill and Nadal enter the room with the transmitter, and they find it's plugged into like an unconscious monk who is projecting the lies of the monks. 
Yes. So the Doctor eventually puts his hands on the monk's head and they have a little psychic fight and the monk is able to block the Doctor and shoots him across the room. You know, I will say, I, I, haven't, I was just thinking about this. I really like the production design of this central chamber with the triangular uh, tessellating screens, mm. you know, within the pyramid. It, it's like a really cool art installation. See, I, Do you know what I, mean? I think the more we've seen them, the less I like the look of the monks. Yeah. I'm just like, what? what is the evolutionary basis of them? Like, why do they need such long fingers? Why well, is their face all contorted? Well, they do. there is that line, I think it's in Pyramid of the Underworld, where they say, we take this form to mock you. Mm. You are like corpses to us. Oh, yeah, I suppose. So there's that, which is, is a cool line and a cool explanation, but it doesn't explain the long fingers. No. Um, yeah, no, I don't... But like I say, just that... It, I, I really, when it walked in, when they walk into that chamber and you've got all the screens and stuff, it's like, if I, if I was like encountered this in an art gallery, I, I, you know, it it would get ten minutes from me. Yeah, I did quite enjoy the vibe of that. Uh, yeah. So when the doctor regains consciousness, he's tied up by Bill, who has committed to her fate of dying. Mm. And I like here because at the beginning, the doctor kind of pleads with her not to do it and then in the end he orders her not to do it he's trying everything he can to stop her yeah yeah okay and Capaldi's great in that scene so eventually she puts her hands on the monk's head and, and, but can I say sorry I'm gonna harp on it I, I can't help it so compare how he is with that bill how protective he's trying to be of her to how he was with her just a few scenes ago mm. When he's like openly mocking her, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it. The more you think about it, the more that that scene really does stick in my crawl. Um. Mm. But no, I mean, it, it really is. It is uh, an anomaly, an aberration. If you excise it from your brain, the Doctor is on form for the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Really. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, sorry. So, Bill has now put her hands on the monk's head. Yeah. And the monk begins to infect her memory with its lies. Yeah. Except the memory of her mum. Yes. Because those memories exist only to Bill because she's had these yeah. imaginary conversations. Yeah. It's a constructed... Um, it's a constructed memory... Uh, as the doctor, I think, says, you know, it's kind of it, it. It's just pure love, isn't it? It's it's kind of untainted by reality, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So because we've got this one pure memory, mm -hmm. it is unable to be corrupted by the monks. Yeah. So Bill's able to transmit this idea of hope to everyone. Yeah. Okay. So everybody begins to wake up and mm. rise against the monks who eventually just get out of dodge. They've just had enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The jig is up. Yeah. So life returns to some sense of normality. Mm -hmm. uh, people have forgotten 
the monks, before they left, they managed to erase themselves from history in the same way yeah. that they were able to add themselves to history. Mm -hmm. And then we get another one of the better moments in this episode where the Doctor says that he puts up with humanity because one in every seven billion people, there's someone like Bill. Yeah, which is very sweet. Mm. And then the final little caveat of the episode is the Doctor talking to Missy, who claims yeah. she feels remorse. Yeah. Oh, don't don't trust the Doctor. She's a wrong'un. Uh, but again, Michelle Gomez is... is oh. Yeah. Amazing in that little scene. Um, yeah, so really interesting um, in terms of what that, what seeds are being planted there for Missy in this series. Mm. There's obviously more more to come with that. Yeah. What What would you hope for? What What do you think? Where do you think that's going to go? Uh, I think she's going to be good for a couple of episodes. They're going to go on a yeah. nice couple of adventures. And they're going to give us loads of false hope that she's all right. And then at the end, she's going to end up that she's like King of the Daleks or something. And it's all going to go wrong and the Doctor's going to cry. And it's going to break maybe, my heart. Maybe she's going to be really good. And then, I don't know, a bucket falls on her head or something. And she forgets. Yeah, it's going to... And it's like a sitcom quote. And then the rest of the episode is the Doctor desperately trying to engineer another bucket to fall on her head. Yeah. It, to, to reset her it, again. It's going to be something like that. Um, you know, they'll be listening to the, the radio and Michael Jackson's bad will be playing. And she'll go, do you know what? I'm bad, aren't I? And then she'll be evil again. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so there we go. Mugs Trilogy. Mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah. What what I think I want to say is, I ultimately you can make the argument it doesn't stack up, it doesn't work, it's a failed experiment potentially. But I really hope, however you feel about it, that that we that Doctor Who tries something like this again one day. I would really like them to go for another three parter at some point and you know attempt something on that scale. Just maybe do, do it better. Yeah, just get it right next time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There is good stuff in there, though. Across all three episodes, there is good stuff. It just, the pacing feels weird and it's just spread a bit thin and there's these few jarring missteps along the way it's the fact it's called the monks trilogy that makes it sound mm. like it's special it stands out from the rest and yeah it's just crap it it ultimately only stands out because of its structure rather than because it's a good story yeah um which is it's a shame but but uh yeah onwards to bigger and better things perhaps uh next week we will be discussing Empress of Mars. I know now that that is written by Mark Gattis, so don't you be playing this onto bigger and better things card. <laughs> right? Come on, though. Empress of Mars. You could have guessed just from that title. That is the most Mark Gattis title imaginable, surely. Yeah, and it's going to turn out that Bill's the Empress of Mars, and, <laughs> you know, oh, there'll be some moral dilemma. I'm just... Ah, no. Should we have a week off? I'm going to test your Who trivia for a second, Matt. Can what do you know about Mars within the Doctor Who universe? 
It's where Thingy live. Isn't it where the Ice Warriors, is that what they're called, live? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anything else lives there. It's probably an egg. You reckon there's going to be an egg involved? Is Mars an egg? <laughs> <laughs> With one giant ice warrior inside. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't even really like the Ice Warriors. I really don't want to do this next week. <laughs> well, you better have a really interesting meal then. I'm going to write down every so we... meal I eat this week. <laughs> Instead of meal of the week, it's going to be the week of meals. <laughs> well, join us next week for that, listeners. But uh, uh, until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.